You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 251 and 252 of talking through the Bible in a year plan. Fed by Ravens. Uh, You are with us now. (laughs) Forever. (laughs) If you are here... There's no turning back. Yeah, it's pretty amazing you're here, and let's just light up the fire and sit around it and talk about what in the world's going on in the world of God's holy scriptures. Our Old Testament reading for today is Isaiah chapter 17 through chapter 23. Mm. Previously on Isaiah. So, okay, (laughs) it works. Basically, uh, Isaiah has to be the bearer of bad news during a time of indulgence and extravagance. When things are going well, he has to say, hey, things are not going so well because at a heart level, we basically have a cancer in our hearts, and that is rebellion against God. And you've seen it kind of killing the surrounding areas, and it's working its way down to uh, Samaria, which next is going to be Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So let me just tell you, God is going to break down and destroy Assyria. He's going to destroy uh, Philistines, Philistia. He's going to take care of Moab. And because of their pride and idolatry, now they're a little bit mixed with the people of Israel. And that's kind of where we left off. Yes. And he kind of just continues uh, the oracles to all the surrounding nations of Israel. So here's where we're at in his prophecy. He's announcing all this stuff, and he's going to fully clean it out in today's reading. So we just look for little, there's little tiny places. It's all darkness, but there's little tiny (laughs) holes where the light light shines through. So all we're going to see now is little tiny lights, and then the next day, it's working up to when all the darkness will be gone because Mm -hmm. it's the good news. So we are in the midst of bad news sprinkled with some, uh, there's some spices sprinkled in there to make us feel a little bit good for those who trust the Lord, but it's bad news for those who do not trust the Lord and who resist trusting the Lord and turn to other nations, other Mm -hmm. powers, their own power, to other gods. You turn to anything else and you're going to get what you turn to, which is nothing. Nothing else has eternal life. Nothing else has Mm -hmm. joy for you. Nothing has provision or thought for you, even thoughtfulness for your life. Nothing else does, so you will get what you turn to. And which is temporary stuff, which then burns away. So he continues with the oracle against Damascus. Yeah, and so Damascus is the capital city of Syria, Ooh, not Assyria. Right. And at this point in time, he kind of lumps Ephraim, which is another term for the northern tribes of Israel. Right. And he lumps them in together because at this point in time, Uh, Northern Israel and Damascus, or Syria, have made an alliance together to try to fend off Assyria. Ding, 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 ding. Matt said the magic word. Alliance. Alliances. This is what Isaiah is saying. All the alliances are not to be trusted anymore. There's been a carousel of world leaders, Mm -hmm. and of one was actually Israel for a time. Yes. And the carousel continues to spin, and the way we deal with hardships in our lives is we make alliances with people who we think are in strong positions, and Isaiah's like, nobody's in a strong position. Yes, and that that is what is going on. Like, if going through these from 17 to 23, yes. uh, just keep in mind, he's basically addressing 
all the nations surrounding Israel. They have all made alliances with Israel and with one another, and they've all, in hopes of, we can stave off this destruction that's coming, and God is going, no. Exactly. So just tick off all the alliances. Nope, not going to help you, not going to help you. Not... And then, really, he, so he goes through Damascus. Then he says the oracle against Cush, which mm-hmm. is basically south around the Nile River. Like it's like Ethiopia. African, yeah. Not Egypt, but Ethiopia. Right. And, uh, and then, just to get through Cush real quick, you start seeing little sprinkles of light about yes. these are all going to be struck down, but God will gather all Gentile nations who look and listen to God and the message of his salvation. So, like, you're seeing, even in the oracles this of is, God's okay. judgment, Yes. but I, did, uh, I wanted to get to this applicable point, unless you have something else about Cush. No, I want. Yeah, this okay. is the part I want to talk about. I think Cush and Egypt to... are what I want to talk yes. about. Yes, but the idea, though, think about this as we go through it. When times get rough, where do you go? What gives you comfort? What gives you refuge? What gives you hope? Mm-hmm. That is your God, mm-hmm. and regardless of what you say, that is your God. And so, if you realize that God is not the God of the universe, Yahweh. Then you repent and you say, "God, forgive me. I'm mm-hmm. turning to alcohol. I'm turning right. to work. I'm turning to a relationship." Forgive me, and you'll be forgiven and restored um, and brought back and realigned. So that's the idea. What are you worshiping? None of it will hold you. None of it can support the weight of your beautiful soul that God has made mm-hmm. or your life. And so um, that's the deal with Cush and Egypt because Egypt is the place where God's people have traditionally turned to all the yes. way back to Genesis. They always turn to Egypt during famines, during wars. Because they, of the Nile. Because of the Nile. Squawk. And the Nile is life. Water is life. Uh, when you're building civilizations or trying to survive this earth, our God is saying, I am life. Yeah. I can provide water out of a rock in the desert yes. if you will hang with me. Yes. So would you say the, turning to the Nile is a denial of yeah. God? Yeah, I would, I would agree with you on that, but I would distance myself from that type of humor. Okay, good. Because I'm trying to build a career here. Got it. And that is a career killer. <clears throat> But There's no denial. In, Egypt's the best. In 19, we see almost another another judgment against the gods of Egypt. Yes. And even against the Nile River itself, saying its tributaries will dry up. All the source of life that you looked at this, right. looked towards this river for, it will not be a consistent source of life for you. In fact, you, you will be- fall into civil war. Yes. You will turn on oh. each other. Like... And then other nations are going to come in and rule you. That's it. And all your gods will be confused and melted down. They won't Mm -hmm. save you. And actually, it sounds like the opposite of the Exodus. When he describes it, it's like you're going to walk through bodies of water, not as salvation Mm -hmm. to a promised land, but actually as famine. And even your waters will dry up. You will be exiled. You will be. uh, Egypt is as staggering as a drunk man in civil Mm -hmm. war. Like you're just bloated and out of shape and killing each other. Mm -hmm. But... It's so interesting. It is. At the end of, because uh, we're going to go through 19. Let's finish mm-hmm. up 19. For me, he says, I will. the Lord will strike and heal. Yes. And Egypt will respond. And you start to think about how Egypt was mixed up with God's people for 400 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. So they got to see back, go back 400, 800 years. <clears throat> and God was there right. saving even Egyptian children who could get under the blood of the lamb. Right. And so... Uh, there's a really curious verse, chap- uh, chapter 19, verse 24. Egypt, my people, Assyria, the work of my hands, Israel, my inheritance. Did you catch that? Yes. And so, blew my mind. Blew my mind because you just want to, we're going to wipe them all out. 
but God recognizing that the whole world are his children. Mm-hmm. He has had a history with Egypt mm-hmm. and they are, there's my people are mixed in there. Mm-hmm. Like my babies were born in Egypt and even the, <clears throat> the creation of Egypt, mm-hmm. trace it back to a line. Well, yes. It doesn't would, go back to Ishmael. That's who Arabs. Go, no, but it goes back to him. Um, so, but even with Assyria, mm-hmm. like where they're placed in, that's where Abraham was called out of. Was yes. called out of like Assyria. In Assyria, he says, the work of my hands. So G- Egypt is where he actually grew the people of God. Mm-hmm. So remember, it's only Jacob's family mm-hmm. until they go and they get into the Petri dish mm-hmm. in Egypt. So I was remembering that going, oh, that's why he says Egypt are my people. They were the greenhouse where mm-hmm. I created a nation from which the savior of the world would come. My body would be raised up there. So they're my people. Assyria is the work of my hands, which is I'm using them to discipline my children. Right. And Israel, you are my inheritance. You're the one I'm putting the new creation, a world full of love and joy and everything is on you, my people Israel. So that's what... And, and so, yeah, so what you're starting to see here, though, is very clearly God's call to, I want the whole world. Yes. My goal is to have the whole world um, worshiping I'm not and worried in a relationship about, with me. And I'm not worried about borders. Right. I'm worried about my people, and this has been my plan. And so then it's very clear in Isaiah that the plan of God has always been to incorporate all nations who yes. are able to repent yes. and follow this God. So then the call of Jesus coming to save the world, and so following under King Jesus mm-hmm. is open to the whole world. This is the mystery Paul is trying to get through to the, the Jews that are left over, right, by the time Paul's alive? Yes. And that God and Isaiah have been trying to say to God's people the whole time, like, I'm using you, you get my inheritance, but I'm trying to bring everyone under the reign and rule of God the Father, mm-hmm. under his son Jesus Christ. That's the whole point. And that's why people get confused like, well, can you go to heaven if you believe in something else and you believe? Well, the problem is heaven by its very definition or eternal life is only on the is only offered by the God who has all life. Mm-hmm. So if you are going in the name of any other God or it's like I want to be an American citizen, but I'm but I submit to f- the French government. So am I an American? Well, no, you have <clears> to submit to the American rules. Like that's how you get the American inheritance. And the same thing works for the exclusivity of Christianity. It's like mm-hmm. exclusive. You have to come through Jesus. No, it's actually inclusive of all nations who will submit to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he doesn't have anything for you because right. you don't want it. Anyway. Yeah, so it's just cool to see, even in Isaiah, God's plan. and, and God's plan. Just to see uh, he looks at the other nations as his own. Right, and he keeps looking at Israel and his people, us, as co-laborers with him as part of the plan to save and to reach out and to bring light into the darkness of the whole world under the proper king who gives life. Mm-hmm. So it's not a negative, like, ugh. It, in fact, everyone applies the rules of this world to religion, right? So mm-hmm. they see it as you have to believe in Jesus to be saved or whatever. And they see that as like a violent thing, like... It's so exclusive, and oh, can't other people? It's well, that's how earthly kings work. Yes. Yeah. You pay taxes, you get to live here freely. <clears throat> that mm-hmm. if you like that, that's how people are accustomed to. Mm-hmm. They actually like that. They feel good under mm-hmm. that. We're offering them something much greater, where uh, our king has paid our taxes, and he just wants to usher us into the new life. And so, yeah. Well, it gets kind of funky in chapter twelve, doesn't it? Twenty. 
20. Sorry, did I say 12? Yeah. Sorry. It gets it gets funky in chapter <clears throat> 20. So, <laughs> so we have the oracles in uh, 18 and 19 to uh, Egypt and Cush. Yeah. And then in 20, we have the uh, physical demonstration of what of God's warning to these people. And this isn't the first time. I mean, Hosea was symbolically marrying the prostitute. Mm -hmm. Remember Hosea, Mm -hmm. the prophet, who's like saying, you guys are acting this won't be the last time we see some weird stuff. Right, an unfaithful... Wait, wait till you get to Ezekiel, that guy. But I'm just imagining when God tells Isaiah to do this, he's like, oh, this is the risk of having a relationship with God in the universe. And we all kind of know this risk. It's like, I want to know, but I don't want to know. I want to be close... It's just like uh, commitment in any relationship. I want the benefits of a committed relationship, but I'm not ready for commitment because commitment means I might be called out to do things that are uncomfortable for me or I have to pick up the kids when I really just want to play video games or do dishes and carry my weight. And I don't really, but I want all the benefits. So God asks Isaiah, and this is interesting to me because it shows again that he cares about the other nations mm-hmm. because he's actually talking to the other nations. Yes. He's actually sending a prophet to the other nations, which is fascinating. But he says, Isaiah, I need you to strip naked and walk around for three years. Naked and barefoot. And the Bible even talks about bare cheeks. Yes. Yes. Uh, naked and for three years. Yeah. And not to say anything. Can I just go to seminary? <laughs> Can I just pay something? No. No, no. Why, Lord? Why do I have to go naked? Because you need to show Egypt this is what's going to happen if they don't repent. And you need to show Jerusalem and Judah, like, this is what's going to happen to Egypt. So do not put any faith or trust into an alliance with Egypt. They will not save you because they will walk out of their own land naked. And bare cheeks. So he's, he's actually saying, too, like, it's perfect. You're right. And he, but in a way, he's saying to Israel, there's no more money or clothing. In e- All that's in Egypt is going to be nakedness yes. and shame. So don't look over here. Yeah. Look away. Look away. And everyone's like, ugh, why is he still naked? Ugh, Isaiah's such a jerk. Okay, we got it. You only needed to do it for like two hours the first day, and we all got the point, Isaiah. And it's like, no, no you haven't. No, they did not. Why are you doing this? We're all rich and happy right now. And he's like, you got to listen to me. So then 21 gets back to the oracles against Babylon, which, yes. again, so, symbolically kind of the host- all hostility towards God. Yes, and this one might actually be referring to uh, Babylon, Babylon yeah. like Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and what's amazing about this, it, it is, it is like, I think, what, 100 years at least yeah. removed from the actual fall of Babylon when the Medes and the Persians overtake right. uh, Babylon when they finally are a world power. Uh, just amazing, though, just to even shouting at this out, like, this nation, too, will fall. Yep. Like, this nation that hasn't even risen up yet, that you have barely even heard about, it will fall. And at this point, I think most people would be like, yeah, no, duh, because the Assyrians have already taken them down twice right. in rebellions. But anyways, that's amazing to just God's even just reassurance. Like, don't worry, this will pass. And by the end of all of it, I, the thing I was kind of gravitating towards is like these nations actually are a gift to you when you're mm-hmm. trusting God. Mm-hmm. Like they can be a gift, yes. which is what we do, right? Something good, we go back to it. Something was a real, you know, money really came out and helped us. Mm-hmm. 
but we were trusting God and God provide the money, but then we slowly start to turn towards the money. Oh, it worked the last time, it'll work this time. It's like, no, what worked was you were with God. Well, we'll we'll get to that actually. Yeah. How he'll he, turn a nation eventually into a blessing for right. his people. Well, he turns now in chapter twenty two to Jerusalem itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jerusalem, he says, you straight up have acted no differently than all the other nations. Mm-hmm. Then this, this phrase is scary, if anyone ever said it to me. God has taken away the covering. It's in verse 8. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Matt, God's taken away his covering. Okay, let's pray. What? Wait, why? <laughs> How? No. Oh, I no. I don't know what that means. I, didn't even, I kept kicking off the covers because it was too hot. But no, I, I know I still want those covers, and that's right. You do want his covering. Mm-hmm. You need his covering. Yeah, it's a reference to the cloud yeah. in the desert. And so uh, they're told to mourn mm-hmm. <laughs> because you looked everywhere. To the, we've already covered that. You've looked everywhere, to, uh, everywhere but the Lord. Mm-hmm. And really, this is the final, one of the final places he is condemning. There's a little thing about Tyree and, and Sidon, but... Um, Basically, Jerusalem, you are no different. Judgment's coming to God's own people. And the issue is, you are not, you're not even indistinguishable from unbelievers. Right. Like, you look exactly the same as everybody else, which kind of hits us today. Okay. So, this was, because he's basically cleaning up shop, cleaning up house. Like, that whole area, all these nations surrounding um, Israel as a whole, he's going, you're gone. You're gone. You're gone. And I'm going to propose something. Yes. It's because... I will marry you. It's because Israel has forgotten God. Right. It's because Israel and Judah have turned away from God, and that's what was actually saving the The, surrounding nations. The whole region was held together because of Israel's love of God. Yes. And God's presence with them and that they were actually getting an outpouring and a blessing. And now that God is like time to end it with my people, the rest of the surrounding nations are going to go into chaos. Dude. It's just like Jonah, like the whole boat, all those guys worshiping. It doesn't even matter. They are in trouble because the guy who carries the truth doesn't want the truth anymore. Now we're all in trouble. Right. Yeah. And that's how we should see even our churches scattered all over the earth. Yes. We're holding back the wrath of God. If you're part of a church, I know it's like, oh, what are we doing to help? And what You're worshiping the God of the universe and repenting and looking to him. You're holding back the wrath in that city. Yes. I, I like, That's so. important. Mm-hmm. So like next time you're thinking, ah, it doesn't matter if I go to church, I'm saved. It's not about you, brah. Mm-hmm. It's about like serving the world and yeah. just worshiping the true and living God is that. And that's what makes us different. So like if all the only thing we have going that makes us look different from the world is we worship God on a Sunday morning. Praise God for that. Now, I won't even get into the things that we love are similar to the things of everybody else. You got to walk through that with your Savior. But the one thing that will make us different is, uh, is the fact that we are people of repentance. Yeah, and then just 23, he addresses Tyree and uh, Sidon. How are we going to say Yeah. Sidon. 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 Doesn't matter. S-I-D-O-N. Yeah, whatever. Um, And he, again, is just saying, now he's even going further and being like, Egypt, don't trust your alliance with uh, Tyree, and Tyree, don't trust your alliance with Egypt. Uh, You guys are going to get taken over as well. You guys used to, like, 
trade with everyone. Yes. That's going to dry up. That's going to go away. <laughs> you guys will return one day, but you will basically be prostitutes to the yeah. rest of the nation. Okay. But your prostitution will turn into a blessing for my people. Right. Okay, so probably the meanest thing you could say to somebody is said here. Because, you know, <laughs> all people all people are going, okay, so all the land areas nations are shut down. But we're humans. So yeah. we're like, but I can still go out the back way. Yeah. And that's the water, the yeah. Mediterranean. Like the ocean represents who knows what's out there. And you mm-hmm. do know what's out there. And I'll escape there. And so this is where Isaiah's like, don't turn to the waters and think you can get out. Because you know why? Tyree is a forgotten prostitute. <laughs> Dude, can you imagine... <laughs> Like, that kid on the playground who's getting bullied, he's like, you're a forgotten prostitute. No one would get it, and they'd be like, whatever, but man, that is harsh. Oof. I'm not forgotten. Shut up. Wait. I'm not a pro... Wait. I don't know any of those words. <laughs> so, uh, trust in the Lord, Israel. Now, if you, can, if you can make it one more day with us, mm. if you can make it a day 253 and 4, amazing chapters are ahead of us. Because we've just received the law from mm-hmm. Isaiah, but what follows the law? Gospel. Gospel. So when you are freaked out and terrorized by the law, that's what the law does. It terrorizes you. You are greatly comforted by the gospel, which is coming in the next chapters, which makes Isaiah so cool. Like, yeah. he's so solid. Yeah. All right. We'll do that, though, on our next episode. Where are we now? Isaiah. Now let's move to the, there it is. the second half of the book. Our New Testament reading for today is 2 Corinthians chapter 10 through chapter 11, verse 15. So Paul's letter really takes a turn here <laughs> in chapter 11, does it not? Yeah. So he's totally... Uh, Line break. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Okay, so it's Catch such me. an abrupt turn that people apparently believe oh yeah 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 that he's in the middle of writing this letter and he's just been like man i've heard such a great report from titus i'm so excited for you guys it looks like he's wrapping it up you're right he's like wrapping it up he finishes thanks be to god for his inexpressible gift it's like a high glory section and he's like awesome i'm gonna come collect that gift you guys are bringing I'm and proud then, of you. I boast in you. And then someone shows up in the middle of this dictation and is like, hey, we got some bad news from Corinth. All heck's breaking loose, bro. What do you mean? And, and Paul's like, stop. All right. Well, and here's what ha- I, Yeah. So what happens is <laughs> they're coming back with messages of there's these other super apostles. Yeah. Who are, and, and essentially... So let me set, set it off like this. In the church, uh, the biggest attack on the church or anything real is a counterfeit. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. So like if you could make money, I knew a kid once who uh, could make, he had a, a certain kind of printer, he used paper, and then the fi- all I remember is he told me the final step was to put this fake $20 bill in, his, uh, in the washer machine or dryer mm-hmm. or something like that. And he passed it off. This was a student of mine. He passed it off at a gas station. And I was like, what? And he was telling me he was a counterfeiter. And I was like, that's not good. And then I found out, well, his dad went to jail for counterfeiting years earlier. Oh, I'm good. Like, oh, okay, cool. The family. But if you could just make money. So like the counterfeiters, and you've probably heard this. I heard this in a sermon when I was a kid. Perfect. 
how do you how do the people who monitor counterfeits what do they study? Do they study all the different counterfeits? No, they study no. the real money. You study the real money and you're able to identify a fake when you see it because mm-hmm. you're so familiar with the real thing. And that's kind of Paul's deal here. He's like um, and so he encapsulates this idea with emotion, with kind of his own proof. I, I, this is the way. He's like, look, I'm not trying to rip you guys off. I'm the real deal, and I'm telling you the real gospel. The real deal is we are centered around Christ. So, like, why are you even looking at me as your tyrant leader or as someone? Well, okay. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the accusations that all of a sudden have apparently reached his ear is there's guys going around in the Church of Corinth saying, you're not the real deal, Paul, and that you are trying to trick them and steal from them and lie to them. And And you're bold in your letters, but when you're face-to-face, you're, like, really gracious and you're weak weak. and you're not a good speaker. Right. Like, these other guys are way better at speaking. You're constantly out of jail. You're not getting paid for your work, so apparently you're not a professional. Because you're not doing work. Mm -hmm. Like, he's getting accused of all this, and he's like, what? I do this for you? It's kind of like a child attacking a parent, Mm -hmm. not realizing the parent's keeping the air conditioning running. Yeah, like, nothing's fair. So... So Paul, in chapter 10, all of a sudden has to, like, backpedal and go... Chapter 11. Well, 10 and 11. 10 and 11. Oh, you're right. right. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. I was jumping ahead. He kind of goes, okay, let's address some things. Um, Apparently, I have to be clear with you guys again that this, everything I presented to you is not for myself. It's always been about Christ. It's always been for your benefit. I've never tried to hurt you, steal from you, lie to you. That I'm not operating out of my fleshly needs. I'm operating on a spiritual level, and I'm trying to provide for you guys and protect you guys on a spiritual level. Yeah, and he even says, like, I'm not waging war according to the flesh. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm begging you to listen to the truth and... um, it's it's sad. It's like really, I can hear his um, plea for, please hear my heart. Yes. Please just hear my heart and look at what I've done. Like, for the weapons of our warfare, not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Like, that's what he's, he's saying. That's all I've been doing here. Yeah, and then he has to address like... Um, I might be strong with you in the letters because I'm away from you. Right. And it's easier to handle like harsher terms in writing. And so when I because I when I'm with you, I want to just be with you and enjoy it. I don't want to have to be with you and be harsh with you in person. Right. So if I appear meek in person, it's because I actually want to be with you and love you and enjoy what's going on. And so I'd rather be harsh with you in a letter so you guys have time to deal with it before I get in front of you so we don't have to, like, really get in a fight in person. Yeah. I mean, it's just sad. And then he has to end again about this idea of boasting. He's like, I'm boasting only in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's all we're doing here. Right. It just makes me think, too, how I've even, I judge myself, or we, I have judged other ministers right. of the gospel according to their, their skill set compared to our culture's skill set, right? Mm-hmm. So I even used to do this to myself. Like, I'd be like, 
oh, I listen to a podcast or I watch a show and those guys are so much better and I got to be more like them for people to like it. But you just have to realize we don't, um, you have to judge ministers as they speak the shepherd's voice and give his care. Mm -hmm. That's it. And so they're speaking on behalf of Christ. And it might not be the most fluid or the easiest to listen to. They might not be great at that part of it, but that's not what they're called. They're called to minister the shepherd's voice, Christ's voice. And so if you're going to judge a church, if you're going to judge anybody, I, I mean, I'm, I'm scared to judge anybody. I just want to judge the message as true or false. Mm -hmm. That's true or false. And then expect the deliverer of the message to be weak in several areas, right. to not even be uh, consistent in it all the time, but say that's the true message. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what he's trying to say here. And, and then in chapter 11 is where the emotion comes in, where he's really sad. Yeah. He's jealous. I mean, he says, I'm jealous for you. It's kind of a Hosea situation mm -hmm. where I'm, you're like my wife. I've poured time into you. And, but that was just, to, I married you to Christ. Mm -hmm. And it feels like the serpent has gotten in. Doesn't he go back to... Yeah, he's like, it's like the serpent has gotten into the garden. Right. And is stealing you away from Christ. Which is funny. I mean, he's relating. The church is the bride of Christ, mm -hmm. and we're being tempted to believe... Like, I mean, you go back to Genesis. The mm -hmm. lie is you can't trust God. Mm -hmm. You can't trust... He's holding out on you. Mm -hmm. And that's the exact same thing that's happening to the message of God through Paul. Right. You can't trust him. And so he rightly sees it as the deception of the serpent trying to lead and corrupt sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Yeah. And then he's also trying to prove himself and be like, look, I didn't take any money from you guys <laughs> because I, no. my needs were being provided for. And I was like, oh, there's no need to charge you guys for my services because I was God was already providing for my services by other people. So I didn't, I didn't want to take any money from you. And I still don't want to take any money from you. But I started thinking, I do feel like it's the people yeah. who have no cost. Yes. Are the biggest critics. Yes. When you've put nothing in, you just get to complain. Like, there's no skin in the game. Yeah. So these, these Corinth people, they're being asked to give. Meanwhile, Macedonia, which is poor and being persecuted, mm -hmm. and the church in Jerusalem is giving to support the work of the gospel that money given from poor places has gone to, Ma uh, to Corinth, which is wealthy. Mm -hmm. And there he's like, he even says, did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preach God's gospel free of charge? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them so I could serve you for free? Right. Do you think, I haven't asked, you guys are the rich ones. If I was going after anybody, I would have skipped over Macedonia and Jerusalem. Yeah. Those guys are broke. I can't get money out of a turnip. You are the people I'd go for, but I came to you because I saw your spiritual state. You're the weak, broken, you're the ones that have need. So I came to you yeah. not asking more than you could give right. because I wanted to nurse you to health and give you the pure gospel. And now you're accusing me of being the one that's stealing and robbing. It's very hurtful and it's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, if, and he has the ultimate, like, and Why? Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And in all this, it's like, hear my heart. I love you. And he's going to break down in the rest of this because we, we don't get there today. No. But the great cost that he's personally carried. Yeah. I mean, so I think both in the Old Testament and New Testament for today's episode, very law heavy, very just like, what what's going on? Why, why is this happening? Guys, yeah. Hear me. 
And again, the law always needs to come before the gospel. So yeah. if so if we were to apply this today, it's like, why are you talking trash about your minister? Why are you talking trash about anybody in the church? We're all committed to the mm-hmm. gospel. And so you need to feel bad and go, oh, I have done that. Lord, forgive me. And it should terrorize you a second. But what follows terror? All comfort. And that's what Paul is going to bring. Uh, it's just unfortunate that the, the reading today doesn't bring all that. Although he, he does start to say, look, um, the end will correspond with their deeds. The, the good news here, for I think, is Paul is saying one of our jobs in the church is to decipher what's true and what's not true. Yes. And so you, you're right. You can always accuse other people for their failings. That'll always be true. But are they hidden under the gospel? And what are we really connected? Am I, con- yeah. and I'm, am I connected to Matt? And so if Matt screws up and I have to leave him or he steals from me, now the gospel is, is corrupted? No, the gospel is still good no matter. Remember, we're just mm-hmm. jars of clay. Yeah. And uh, jars of clay carry the good news. And so we do have a responsibility to say when people are manipulating the message of the gospel, for whatever reason, we don't even have to go after them. We just go after the truth and say, not true. And we don't have to destroy them. They'll have to pay uh, for whatever king they choose to follow. True. And I think, though, okay, the last thing. We've all felt this. You have all listened. Everyone listening to me has loved somebody out of a pure, sincere heart for the gospel, and it's been twisted and corrupted by a weird narrative in someone's mind through deception. Mm-hmm. And you felt it, and it's a sick feeling because you're powerless to change their minds. And yeah. In fact, you have to rely on Christ to change their minds mm-hmm. and hearts, and all you can do is restate the truth. Yes. Hey, I love you, and I'm here for you, and God's here for us. Yes. So don't lose hope in those relationships that have gone sour. Um, Paul didn't lose hope, and he, and he just clung to the gospel not even to uh, accusing the false guys. They'll read Psalm chapter 106, verses 21 through 31. They forgot God their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Therefore he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him, to turn away his wrath from destroying them? Then they despised the pleasant land, having no faith in his promise. They murmured in their tents, and they did not obey the voice of the Lord. Therefore he raised his hand and swore to them that he would make them fall in the wilderness, and would make their offspring fall among the nations, scattering them among the lands. Then they yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor, and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They provoked the Lord to anger with their deeds, and a plague broke out among them. Then Phineas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stayed, and that was counted to him as righteousness from generation to generation forever. Boom! You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.